was sitting last night going over my sermon that I had already for this morning. It was about 9 o'clock last night, and I was looking at it, going over it. And while I was going over it, I was having this mental struggle. And I felt the Lord saying, the sermon you've got ready for tomorrow, you're going to use some other time. I have something else I want you to talk about in the morning. And so here I am with a sermon in front of me that's all ready to go and struggling with what to do for this morning. And yes, I have a sermon here in front of me, so don't worry about that. But I felt the Lord was saying, I want you to share about something else that you talked about at Devotions for Work a couple days ago on Friday morning. And I was saying, Lord, I like the, the thought, but I don't have it nearly enough for a sermon. It's a devotional. It's not a sermon. And he said, I'll give it to you. Don't worry about that. And so I was going through all this mental battle, and uh, as I like to do, I had my wife come over and shared with her what I was feeling. And she looked at the sermon and thought about it for a bit and said, I think that's what the Lord is saying too. And I say all that to say there was prophecy this morning as well that I think would line up with what God wants to say to us here this morning. And I'm titling this, What is Your Default? What is your default? A long time ago, in a land far away, there lived a dad. And this dad had property. He had a farm. And being on a farm, he had a lot of work to do on that farm. And this dad had kids, obviously, being a father. And so he called his boys to him one day and he said, boys, we've got work to do. I've got work on the farm. I need your help. And he talked to each of his boys, two of them. And one boy said, yeah, dad, I'll go. I'll do it. I see the work. Yes, I'm going. And the other son said, that does not interest me, dad. That's too much work. I, am, I do not feel like doing that. And he told his dad, no. You may, may recognize this as a parable that Jesus told in the Bible. Now, the end of that parable, it's, it's a happy ending and it's a sad ending. It's always happy when somebody who says, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do, changes their mind. The son who said no, it says, changed his heart. His heart was changed and he went. He did what he was asked to do. The son who said yes is the sad story and not really where we're heading with the message today, but he didn't follow through on his yes. His immediate answer was, yes, Lord, I'll do it. That was his default answer, but he didn't follow through. Both sons were presented with an opportunity. Both of them had a default response. And we, when we are presented with an opportunity from God, have a default response already within us. We have a yes or we have a no. And sometimes our defaults can be built from many things in our life, from pasts, from what we've been taught or read, or many different things can have ingrained that default answer into us. But my question for us today is when we're presented with a need in the kingdom of God, this is something that will further God's kingdom and his work, and he's our heavenly father, and we're presented with that need from our father, is our default answer yes, or is it no? What is my default. And I'm going to share a bunch of examples this morning from the Bible, because I was thinking of different ones in the Bible that God had, had presented opportunities to, and what their default answers were. 
And the first ones that came to mind are in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And here in Matthew 4, we find, we find some guys fishing, which some men like to do. Some ladies too, I'm sure. But they were out doing what they enjoyed, doing their work. And along comes this man named Jesus. The men fishing are the disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Specifically, I think it says Peter and Andrew were, were working on their nets. James and John were in their dad's boat. Now, Matthew 4, 18 through 22, I will read out of the ESV. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. What was their default answer? Yes. He called us, we're going. And going on from there in verse 21, he saw, he being Jesus again, two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their, uh, and their father, and they followed Jesus. What was their default? Yes. I love this example of the disciples. They were gung-ho. They were, yes, here's an opportunity being presented. My answer is yes. I will go. I will do it. I was also thinking of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, Luke 1, 38, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a very specific call, just like the disciples. An angel came to her. An angel explained what was going to happen to her. You will be the mother of the Messiah. And what was her response? Be it as you have said. In Luke 1, verse 38, she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. What was her default? Yeah, yes. And I'm sure with the disciples and I'm sure with Mary that they, they didn't have a lifelong pattern of being no people. And then all of a sudden one day they were yes, just like that, right? I think we can discern from, from what had happened in their lives that their pattern was saying yes to God. And so when God presented a large item like leave your father's ship, leave your business, leave your industry, leave what you enjoy, they said yes. When an angel came to Mary and said, your life is going to be totally different than you imagined. Here you are leading up to a perfect marriage, perfect man named Joseph. You've got your life planned out. I'm, I'm changing that a little bit. You're now going to be looked down upon because you're going to have a child before, before marriage and all these things. And you know what? Mary had a pattern of saying yes, though. And she carried on with that. And she said, I will do as you have said. Be it to me according to your word. The prophet Isaiah also experienced something similar in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Isaiah 6 verse 8. And I'll call his more of a general, uh, a general calling. In Isaiah 6, 8, and Isaiah is speaking here, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Now, I've never thought of this before. I, I've always associated this verse with the call of Isaiah, and I think that's fair to say. But Isaiah wasn't waiting for God to say, Isaiah, will you go? 
It says specifically, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, who will go for us? And Isaiah's response was, send me. I'm here. Hello. I'm ready. I'll do it. He was a yes. That was his default answer when he heard the need. God said, who can go for us? And Isaiah was ready to step in to fulfill that need. I love it when my kids come to me and they say something like, Daddy, I cleaned my room today. Daddy, I did this or I did that. As a parent, I love it when my children see a need in my home, in my kingdom, and they step in and they fill that need and they do it. I am not blessed when their default response to me to a need that is presented is no, right? That doesn't bless a parent when their child says no. That doesn't bless a teacher when their student says no. Anybody who works with kids likes the default yes. And the ones who step up to a need and just do what needs to be done. And in the same way, God is blessed when his children step up to a presented need and say, here I am, I'll do it. Yes, is my answer. We also have the example of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Acts 16, 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, they being Paul and those traveling with him, the Apostle Paul, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go on to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We've heard this account shared before, right? The redirection of Paul. But I want to point out that Paul was going. Paul was doing. Paul was saying yes to God. And as he was going, God directed him elsewhere. God said, no, this is not what I have for you right now. And then he tried somewhere else and God said, no, this is not what I have for you right now. And then God made it very, very clear what he did have for Paul to do. But Paul's me method was he had a very general call. We find this earlier in Acts. He was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And he took that general call and he went. He saw a need in a city and they, he knew that they hadn't heard about Jesus and he went. And so his general method was to go where there was a need and then God would redirect him if it was necessary. His default answer was even yes to God when there was a closed door. God closed the door. He was on a mission. He was going to do a work and God shut the door. However, God did that. And the apostle Paul didn't just back up and go, well, I guess that's it. I'm done. He said, no, I'm going to go here instead. And then that door was shut. And he said, okay, somewhere else. God has somewhere else for us. So his default answer was still, yes, I'm going, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And he allowed himself to be redirected. So a person, even beyond being a default, yes, Lord, I will do it, also needs to be teachable and be able to be redirected by God if something's not right, if they're going somewhere that God doesn't or doing something that God doesn't have for them. They've got to be willing uh, to receive that instruction. 
And I think that's also a good example to those of us, you know, who may be in some sort of leadership from parents to church to work to whatever it is, not to crush the enthusiasm in the heart of somebody who is a yes person. Not to be like, you know, you say yes too much. You need to learn to say no or why are you doing that? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, it's easy as parents to do that sort of thing, to be more discouraging when our kids are trying to do something good, to more see what they've done wrong rather than to, you know, see the enthusiasm in the way that they're trying to help. So I think that's an important lesson to us too, not to crush that that hard attitude of a yes person, somebody who has a a, a gung-ho attitude. So when we're serving God and we default to yes in doing the work of God, he'll redirect us. We can trust him to redirect us if he needs to. Here's some other examples from the Bible. Abraham. Abraham, God called him to leave his home country to go to an unfamiliar place. What did Abraham say? Yes. God called him to sacrifice his only son. What did he say? Yes. His schedule was interrupted as he was going about his life, and visitors showed up at his door. And what did he say? Yes. His schedule was interrupted when he was informed that his dear nephew Lot had gotten into some trouble. And what did Abraham say? Yes. You got it. Yes, he was a very much a yes person. And because he went to rescue his nephew Lot, that is the reason he met Melchizedek. If he had not, he would not have met Melchizedek, somebody that we have, can learn a lot from in the Bible. And so God blesses ones who say yes, like Abraham. I was thinking of Apollos as well. Apollos is a man in the New Testament who was fervently preaching about the Lord. And it says, you can mark this down if you want to look it up later, in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 26, it said he had a level of knowledge and that he was fervent in spirit. And he was going about proclaiming the knowledge that he had. He was a yes person. He was fervent. He was on fire. He was like, yes, I will do it. I will share what I have. But the passage says that Aquila and Priscilla, ones who knew the ways of the Lord, took Apollos aside, and they taught him, um, explained to him, it says, the way of God more accurately. And Apollos, it appears, was open to that teaching. He was open. He, He was very much a yes person, let's do it. He was fervent in spirit, but he was open to being further, further instructed. Just because you're a default yes person doesn't mean that you will do everything perfectly, but you must again be teachable, and trainable. We're going to move on to a couple other examples. These are all fairly positive ones so far. There's some in the Bible that are also fairly or somewhat negative. We'll start kind of middle somewhat negative, not too, and then work our way down from there. But there's a man in the Old Testament named Ahimaaz. You may not recognize that name. He's not a big, you know, familiar name. He's a son of Zadok, Zadok was a priest and very close to King David. Well, Ahimaaz was, a, was fleet on foot. He was a runner. He was fast. And there's an account in the Bible where, you know the story where Absalom rebels against David. And there's a battle that ensues. And Ahimaaz is, is somebody who wants to run with a message to King David to give him an update on that battle. And... Uh, 
So Joab is the, the general in charge. Ahimaaz is going to Joab and saying, let me go. I want to go run this message. And Joab tells Ahimaaz, why are you going? You don't have all the information yet. There's another man, a Cushite, who was already being sent to run. So there's already somebody doing the job. And Ahimaaz, being a yes guy, was like, send me, I'll go, I'll go, let me run. And Joab said, no, you don't have all the knowledge. You don't have all the information. You're not the guy for this job. And Ahimaaz still argued with him and said, I want to go, send me. So finally, Joab's like, whatever, go ahead. <laughs> I'm adding my own Stephen version into there. But, but uh, so he wanted to go and he wanted to run and, and he was finally told, go ahead. And he got there and he ran to King David and said, King David, basically paraphrased, the battle's going great, you're winning. And King David says, well, what about my son Absalom? And Ahimaaz says, there was a big commotion going on and I don't know what happened. And King David says, step aside. And he had to wait for the other messenger to come with the full picture. So Ahimaaz was very much of a yes, gung-ho, but when he was told no, he did not listen. His default was yes, which is great, but he didn't receive a no. And so we want to be default yes, but if we're instructed, no, you're not the right guy for this job, you don't have all the information, whatever God might be telling us, we've got to be willing to say, okay, that's not my position. Don't be an Ahimaaz. I was thinking about Israel, the nation, and they basically always defaulted to no. Sad stories. They wanted to go back to Egypt or complained about how much better things were in Egypt than where they were when they were at the Red Sea and the nation of Egypt was behind them, coming up to them. When they were in the wilderness and they wanted food. When they were in the wilderness and they wanted water. They complained and complained and complained. If you studied it, you know all these passages that they were just discontent, dissatisfied, and they were saying, even after all the miracles, even after God parted the Red Sea and then crushed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, they're on the other side going, it would have been better for us to be back there with them. Hmm. God called them to his very presence at Mount Sinai and they told Moses, you go for us because we don't want to die. No, they were called to go into God's presence and they said, no, that's too much for us. God called them to defeat their enemies in the promised land. And they said, they're too strong. We'll lose. When they knew already that God had called them to the promised land. They already knew it. But they said, it's not going to happen. They were discouraged. And they were no, saying no. The yes people in that story were Joshua and Caleb. And their attitude was, there's a huge army and a huge enemy over there. But you know what? God called us to this, and if he called us to this, we're going to beat them. Because we know that about God. If he calls us to it, we're doing it. They were the yes people. Many examples here. Gideon is another one that came to mind, and he's an interesting one. Because an angel came to Gideon and spoke to Gideon. And proclaimed that God's call for Gideon was to go and lead the Israelites to, to help them defeat the Midianites. And it's a back and forth conversation here in Judges chapter 6. And as it goes back and forth, I'm going to read you Gideon's side of the responses. The angel's there proclaiming God's call to him. And the first thing Gideon says is, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Why are there all the miracles our ancestors, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. It's an angel standing there, and his attitude was, well, what about this? And what about that? And, and how come we don't see you right now? So the angel responds to that. And then in verse 16, I think I might have pulled these from the NLT if you're sticking that up there. In verse 16, it's, Gideon again says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in my entire family. So here the angel's again proclaiming, this is what God has for you. And Gideon's like, why me? So the angel again responds. And in verse 17, Gideon again replies, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. So he's given a sign. And his response in verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So when he got answered and God said, look, it is me. I'm talking to you. Gideon was like, I'm going to die. Default yes or default no? No. But then he, God used him to do tremendous things. And although timid, from here Gideon went on and he blew the trumpet and he called the nation of Israel to come and to fight the Midianites. But then in verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, and then he did the whole fleece thing twice. After the angel was already there, after God already showed him that it was him talking to Gideon, Gideon knew it. And then he calls the people and then he goes back to this default no, like, okay, um, can you show me it's really you again? He didn't have that, yes, I will go. I will do it. You know what? Again, he did a really great thing, but it was hard to get him to that point because his default was not yes. We have the example of Jonah. His default to bringing God's message to Nineveh was, get me out of here. I don't want to go. His default was no. And even when he did end up going, it was after a pretty hard sell by God, I would say. God, God basically kind of forced his hand. Gideon was stuck inside of a fish for three days and was thrown up. That's a pretty hard sell to convince somebody. So Gideon finally went after, or it's Gideon, Jonah finally went after that. And the whole book of Jonah ends as a cliffhanger. Because even after going to do what God had called him to do, he sits outside the city and mourns and weeps and waits for the destruction of the Ninevites. Because he's so unhappy that God would actually rescue them. And we don't know what happened to Jonah. But he was default no. And God had to force him into a yes. We don't want to be like that. And we'll end on a positive, the last example here, not end the sermon, end the example section, just so you don't get all enthused that I'm saying we're dismissed. Ending this part of examples with Jesus, back to a positive. You know, he was yes. He was always yes. When there was a need, he said yes. When his father called him to do it, he said yes. Yes and yes and yes and yes over again. That was his whole heart's desire was to do the will of his father and to minister to those in need. And he was very much a yes person because of it.
Now, in all these examples, I was kind of thinking through them after I had studied them out, and you could think of many more who were given opportunities and, and had a yes or a no answer. The end that I can think of of all the ones, the default yes people in the Bible was basically good. When their attitude was defaulted, yes, Lord, we're here, we'll do your work, we'll do what you called us to, use us. Like Isaiah, here I am, send me. Their end was good. But the end of the default no people in the Bible don't seem to be amazing. And we could have listed other ones as well that were just default no people. And their end is not good, or at least not great. And so we're going to take this message where we've given biblical examples. We could dismiss from here, and you could just, you know, ruminate or think about this message and how the people in the Bible said yes or no. But really, a sermon needs to be brought down to our level, right? We need to, to learn and to grow when God is speaking something to us. And so we're going to go over some very uh, practical application for us. And I was thinking through this with my own life, as I shared in the devotion with the staff who were there, and you can think about this for your own life as well. What is my default answer to myself for things that I like? Okay, not calls of God and all that stuff, not like we've been talking about, but things that I enjoy. So what if I enjoy shopping, certain things that I really like to get or to have? What is my default answer to myself when I've got money in my pocket or my bank account or on my credit card or whatever it is, and there's something that I'm thinking about that I want to get? What is my default? What about going on vacation? What is my default? Do I default? I feel like going on vacation, therefore I'm going to go on vacation. We were talking this morning, and I'm not saying that any of these are bad things. I'll, I'll say where I'm going in just a little bit, but we were just talking this morning. We're talking our family, you know, throwing ideas out there. Traveling's a little bit hard right now, so we've always wanted to go and visit parts of New York that we've never been to, and right now we can be in New York, and that's okay. So we were talking like, well, what about Lake Placid? Like, what about the way northeast part of New York? We've really never been there. We've heard that it's beautiful. So we're, we're talking about vacation. What is your default answer to going out to hang out with a friend? You know, going to do, maybe you enjoy being with your friends, going to do something together. What is your default answer to yourself? What about going to watch a movie or playing video games or reading books that you enjoy? What is your default answer to yourself in all of these areas? Is your default something like, like I said, I feel like going to a movie or I feel like buying this or I feel like going on vacation and then you just do it. Well, you're a default yes, right? You're defaulting to yes to yourself. And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. I'm just making a comparison. Do you say, or do you say something like, God has to tell me yes to going on vacation or I am not going to do it. God has to tell me yes about buying that or I am not going to do it. God has to tell me yes about watching that movie or I am not going to do it. What is your default? That would be a default no to yourself. Again, I'm making a comparison. What now is my default for things in the kingdom of God? What is my default for items like, I find out that there is somebody in need. They have a need of my time. They have a need of my money. They have a need of something that I can step in and I can do. What is my default? And this is where I think the prophecies this morning really tied in. God was saying there's people that need to be ministered to. 
Maybe he was tugging on your heart about that. What is your default answer to those things? There's a verse in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John 3, a few verses, verses 16 through 18. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he, being Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And here Jesus, or the, the Apostle John, sorry, is given the example of how much God loved us and what that love should look like when we look at other people around us. When there's a need, we have something and we see somebody else in need, do we close our heart to it? That's a default no. Closed off, not interested. God hasn't told me to do it, so no. Or is our default position an open heart that says there's a need and I can meet that need. God, redirect me if this is not what you want me to do. Redirect me, Lord. But I am saying, yes, I will help out because I see a need. What is my default answer to helping out in church? And I'm standing here, you know, as a temporary pastor, a fill-in, but I have nobody in mind that needs to fill any roles right now. So as I'm saying this, I'm not calling you out to finally say yes to something. That's not what this is. But when we are presented with uh, a church or a ministry where there's a need, something involved in the church, from food service to teaching to preaching to leading worship to serving in some area of need, what is my default answer? Is my default no? Or is it yes? What about telling somebody about Jesus, as Jeremiah was talking about in Sunday school? You know, when God's calling us to witness to somebody that we know who doesn't know him, what is my default answer to that? Is it, I'm not comfortable with that. That makes me nervous. Good. <laughs> it makes me nervous too. You know, that's a normal human response. And I, I was thinking about, I, I put a lot of value on peace and the peace that comes from God. And I go by that a lot for whether I do something or whether I don't. But Sometimes God calls us to things that are out of our comfort zone, and we will not have what we feel like is peace. We will have butterflies. We will have nerves. We will have discomfort. I remember when I first had to preach or when I first had to lead worship, not first, for first months or years of my call to ministry. It was nerve-wracking. I did not have that sense of peace, but I knew it was what I was supposed to do. And when we are called to minister to somebody to share the message of Christ, we will not feel peace if it's out of our comfort zone. Not peace as in a feeling. We will feel nervous, like I said. And that's okay. But what is my default for things in God's kingdom? Do I say, I'll do it, Lord. Here am I, send me, redirect me if it's not right, but I see that need, I'm aware of that need, and I will do it. Or do we say something like, God has to tell me yes, or I am not going to do that. I am waiting for God to give me his word. Now, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'll save that thought for a little bit. There's a verse in the Bible in Matthew 6, verse 21, that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When your default answer to God and the needs of his kingdom is yes, you're telling him, 
He's your treasure. His work is the most important thing to you and to me. When we default to, yes, Lord, I see the need, I will do it. We're saying, Lord, your work is so important to me, I don't want to leave it undone. Maybe it will cost me other things that I want to do with my time or my money, but I see that need, Lord, and I will step in. But when my default answer to God and the needs of his kingdom is no, but you, you, you easily or I easily default to yes answers to myself for the things that I like, really what I'm telling God is that what I want is more important to me than the needs of his kingdom. That one dealt with me. Because I'm saying yes to myself for whatever it may be that I'm interested in. But when God presents a need to me, I'm saying, hold on now. I need to think about that. I'll pray about that. Give me some time. My default then is no to God. And I'm saying I'm more important, God, than you are. And that is not a good position to be in. So I present, or before I get there, Psalms 119, verse 36. Psalm 119, 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Incline my heart to the things of you and not to my own personal selfish gain. Let me work for your kingdom and let my heart be inclined that way. So I present that our default position for any need presented to us in God's kingdom should be, here I am, send me. And, and I balance this by saying I'm not discouraging prayer and I am not discouraging seeking God, not by any means, but I am discouraging using those things as a cover-up for a default no that we've already given to ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, we can probably admit that we may have done that before in our life. We say to somebody or to some need that we hear about, let me pray about it. But up here, we already know that we've said no. And so the let me pray about it wasn't an honest sentence. It was a let me cover up the fact that I don't want to do it with a spiritual sounding phrase that makes me look like I'm seeking God on this. So I'm not discouraging seeking God, but I'm discouraging using him for a cover up for his kingdom work. Our default for helping in the kingdom of God should be yes, unless God says no, rather than no, unless God says yes. Serving in God's kingdom is a privilege. It is an honor that our Father, our King, has given to us. I'm also not saying that we need to say yes to everything all the time. Because you and I know that we would be exhausted if we did that. So I'm talking about a default position. You, if you work in technology or with anything, you know that there's default settings to things. These are the defaults. They can be maneuvered and manipulated as necessary, but the default is set. Is my default in my heart, my default answer, yes or no? And the real issue really is, how willing am I to serve? And Sarah and I were talking through this. You know, we, we, even at the beginning of our marriage and then into parenting, we were, we were taught and, and, and studied and read to try to say yes way more often than we say no. And that is how we have tried to form our lives. So we try to be yes people, and don't take advantage of that. But we try to be yes people, and we have had to say no on occasion. I can remember uh, years ago, we were approached about leading the youth retreats, the youth camps that they have every year. And at that point in our lives, we had one small child, and we could have done it. We prayed about it for a couple weeks, and we really weighed that one out. And we, we were sure that God was saying no. 
It wasn't easy to give that answer because we're, we're called to be yes people, but we really didn't feel right about that one. And now as time has carried on, I could not see us being the leaders of what happens at youth camp with our family and our life right now. That would be very hard for us. And so God knew what he was saying. I can remember a couple times, two times specifically, where Pastor Wallace asked me to do something. And we prayed about it, and I had to go back to him and say, Pastor Wallace, you know that I almost always say yes to what you asked me to do. But I don't, I, I, I have to say no for this one because whatever God's telling me or there's some physical reason that it's not going to work. And you know, when your typical answer is yes, people totally understand if you have to say no. If your typical default is yes. I'm going to give an example of my kids again before I conclude. I am blessed again when they see a need and they jump in and they take care of it. If I've already asked somebody else to do it, I'm still blessed that the other child was willing to step in and do it. If one of them goes to empty the dishwasher and the dishes are dirty, I am not upset with them. I am happy with them for seeing the need and doing it. And then I redirect them because they're dirty, not clean, right? I am blessed by that, seeing a need and defaulting to, let's do it. I'll take care of this. This is a need in my dad's house or my mom's house. I'm not blessed when their default is, answer is, I'm not going to do it unless mom and dad tell me I have to. And as our Heavenly Father, I believe that God is blessed when his kids have that willing attitude and that default to yes, much more than his, when his kids have that attitude, I am not going to do it unless God tells me to do it. God's our Heavenly Father. We're his kids. And he loves it when his kids are willing to step into a need. I haven't gotten into really anything specific this morning. There's lots of needs out there. But when a need is presented and you know it furthers the kingdom of God and you have, you've, you know, you're struggling with that at that moment, do I say yes or do I say no? Again, God is blessed when his kids step in with a willing attitude and say, okay, I'll do it, Lord. Redirect me if this is not right. Speak to me if you don't want me to do this. But otherwise, I'm gung-ho. Like the prophet Isaiah said, here I am, here I am. See me, see my hand, I'll do it. Use me, Lord. Lord, help us to be people like that. Amen, let's pray. Lord, help us to have willing hearts. Help us to be servants like the ones that we read about in your words, all the ones that said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Be, unto me, be it unto me as you have said. Here I am. Send me. I will go. Lord, help us when we're presented with needs in your kingdom to be willing to go, to have a yes default, and to put the needs of your kingdom far above and beyond our own desires and the things that we enjoy ourselves. Help us to live our lives to serve you wholeheartedly. And again, to default to yes, Lord. Here I am. We pray this in your name. Amen.